Once upon a time, in the jungles green and wet, there traveled two explorers, a professor and a vet. They were both seeking a legend of giant monkey size. Actually, it's a gorilla. That's an ape, you realize. The difference being monkeys, a big long tail they've got. Whereas the ape, like we are seeking, definitely does not. They wandered through the forest, looking high and low, finding tracks and other signs to tell them where to go. Eventually, they came upon a giant jungle canyon, an obstacle so confounding, their quest they might abandon. Hmm, that doesn't quite rhyme. Where to now? said the vet. How can we cross? How should I know where to go? Well, you are the boss. The professor looked and saw at once the direction they must forge. Look there, those mighty vines. They reach across the gorge. Are you nuts? Those vines won't hold. Look how far we'd fall. I'd rather risk the danger than not to cross at all. And so against her better judgment, the vet followed close. After all, it might hold. I might be wrong, who knows? The two started climbing, and for a while, things were fine. Don't look down. Just hold on tight as we cross the line. But as they clambered softly, mere miles from the ground, both their hearts skipped a beat at an undesired sound. Uh-oh. Ah! Down, down, down they fell, hands reaching out in vain for a twig, a root, or something else to anchor themselves again. And just when it seemed all was lost for these brave but foolish girls, the radio switched its channel and they fell into another world. I don't know, Flynn. This poetry book isn't exactly what I thought it would be. I know it says jungle adventure poems, but I didn't think it meant poems about a jungle adventure. I just thought... Well, I'm not sure what I thought. I suppose I better finish it, though. Hello? Mr. Jacobs? Oh, no. It's just me, dear. Oh. Hi, Miss Fiona. What are you doing here? Lionel is out on some errands. He knew there was a chance you children would show up, so he asked me to hold down the fort. Oh. Um, is Mr. Jacobs going to be here later? I'm not sure. Is there something I can help you with? I don't know. Ah. But it's something Lionel could have handled. Is that it? It's not that. I don't know if he could have helped with it either. Oh, well, what is it? It's my sister. Sage, what about her? Miss Fiona, I'm Sage. I was talking about Ivy. You know, with the glasses. Oh, oh yes, of course. <clears throat> you were saying? Well, I... Sage, I fixed it for you. See? Good as new. Thanks. That means a lot. Oh, hi, Miss Fiona. How have you been? It's been a long time. <sighs> Do you mind, Ivy? I'm trying to explain a problem to Miss Fiona. What problem, Sage? I fix your diorama. That's not the point, Ivy. I told you I didn't want you touching it, and then you broke it. You don't listen. You just- If I may, I think we have a chance to show some grace here, Sage. Grace? Yes. Your sister is sorry for what happened. I think the least you could do is thank her for fixing what she broke. You don't understand, Miss Fiona. This isn't just about my school project. This is the tip of the iceberg. This is me telling my sister what I need her to do, and then she does the complete opposite. It's been going on for so long, and she knows it drives me crazy. And in the end, all of the grown-ups say, you need to forgive her, and she gets away with it. It's so, so, <sighs> I need a drink of water. You, what a temper, huh? Hmm, yes. I didn't know Sage could get so upset. She seems like such a patient and caring person. Oh yeah, trust me. 
She might seem nice and caring, but push her just enough and she goes crazy. <laughs> it's pretty fun. So, you do this often then? Eh, not really. Just when I'm bored. Ah. Well, I wouldn't... Mm hmm. What's the matter? Well, usually I'd say I could find one of Lionel's drama scripts here that might help in this situation. But unfortunately, they have multiple actors. And seeing as there's only one of you, I don't know how that's going to work. It'll work. I can go get Sage. She loves these things. If you think she will. Trust me, she'll do it. Be right back. All right. I'll look for that script and listen to some programs. From the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the zany drama, The Wild Racers, an adapted biblical illustration about being considerate. Once upon a time, there was a company of racers. There were all kinds of silly cars driven by all kinds of silly characters. But they all had one thing in common. We want to win. Meet Teresa Tork, one of the more serious racers on the track. My dad was a racer, so was my mom. You might say, I was born to race. Tork certainly was a force to be reckoned with, but another wild racer gave her a little bit of friction. It's me, Vera Vicious, racer extraordinaire and nemesis of all wild racers out there. Haha, <laughs> and my racing car, Chutney. What a drag. On the day of our story, all the wild racers took their place at the starting line. All right, Chutney, we're gonna win this race and nobody is going to stop us. We have the fastest car, and what's more, I have the wits to make sure that no one will get ahead. Ha-ha! Hey, Vera, here's to a fair race this time, huh? Keep your goody choo comments to yourself, Terry. I don't have to worry about your wacky racing rules. And with that, the race began. As usual, Vera Vicious took an early lead. Ha-ha! I told you, Chutney. This will be our finest moment. Now for phase two. If you ask me, this bridge we just crossed doesn't need all of those supports. Ha! Timber! Now then, to continue my spree of sabotage. Vera zoomed on ahead, laying traps in her wake. Teresa Tork and the other racers were having a lot of trouble keeping up. These potholes keep getting worse every year. Doesn't the committee repair the trap? This is ridiculous! Mere feet from the finish line, Vera kept watch through her binoculars. Ah, yes, Chutney. My perfect ploy is progressing. Everyone is having a truly terrible time. Now then. Let's win this race. And with that, Vera crossed the finish line well before anyone else. But it wasn't the moment of glory she imagined. Say, why aren't they cheering? Hey, I won. Where's the confetti? The trophy? That bottle that sprays people? Anyone? The crowd was silent until Teresa crossed the line next. Then the stands erupted in cheers. Thank you. Oh, wow. First place. Thank you all. Hold it. Hold everything. I won this race fair and, well, more like, anyway, I won it. Tried to tell you at the starting line, Vera. You needed to race by the rules, which clearly state that, <clears throat> a racer may not be considered for victory if said racer lays traps or damages track property 
In other words, if you cheat, you can't win. Drat, drat, and double drat! The moral is, the Bible compares living for God to being in a race. And we are the racers. God tells us to follow him like a racer trying their best to win the race. But he goes on to say that we shouldn't make it harder for others. Because the way to win God's race is to show love. And you'll never win if you're not loving. Hey Ivy, can you pass me that marker? I think I missed a spot on my diorama. Sure. I must say, girls, it's refreshing to see two sisters living in harmony again. Yeah, usually when we have an argument, it doesn't take us long to make up. We are twins after all. I have been thinking about what the drama had to say though, Miss Fiona, and I am sorry that I was trying to get you angry, Sage. It wasn't right. I forgive you. It's not like it's the first time. Yeah, but I'm going to try to make it the last time. I had no idea that the Bible said not to do it. Yeah, me either. Where exactly does it say that, Miss Fiona? There are a couple of places where God tells us to live in peace with other people. Romans 12, 18 and 14, 19, as well as Matthew 5, 9 are all verses telling us that doing what we can to live in peace with everyone is important. In other verses like Romans 14, 13, Luke 17, 2 and 1 Corinthians 8, 9, we are warned to make sure that our own actions don't make it harder for people to do what is right. Like not pushing my sister's buttons to make her lose her temper. That does make it harder. That's the example at hand. I can think of other instances, though. Like what? Maybe you're spending time with a friend whose parents don't want them watching a certain show or playing a certain game. Your parents haven't told you not to do these things, and you might enjoy them. But Romans 14 tells us that it's better to not watch these things if it means it makes it easier for your friend to obey their parents. Even though our parents say it's okay. That's right. It's a way we can show God's love. We decide to give up something we don't have to in order to help someone else. Kind of like what Jesus did. What do you mean, Sage? Well, he didn't have to give up being in heaven, being with God and not getting hurt and stuff. But he did it because he wanted to help us. Exactly. Just like it says in Philippians 2. That's a lot to think about. Yeah. Well, I think I better get going, Miss Fiona. Thanks for everything. Anytime, girls. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>